Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of China Update, where I provide you with the most up-to-date political, economic, and geostrategic analysis on the world's number two economy. My name is Tony. Let's jump in. Happy Thursday, everybody. Once again, we have a very economy-heavy video for today, and this is going to be a big episode. There is a lot to cover, a lot has happened over the last 24 hours, a lot of interesting, exciting, and frankly concerning material to get through. So let's begin. Yesterday, we discussed how it appears that a nervous Beijing doesn't want to allow a third giant developer to default. Now it's being reported that one of the first two may be in line for a massive government bailout. If this is the case, it would be a big deal. Yesterday, Wednesday, UK-based Reuters, in an exclusive, reported that the state council, headed by Premier Li Qiang, has instructed the local government of Guangdong province to help arrange a rescue of Country Garden by China's massive insurance company, Ping'an. Ping'an Insurance is a Chinese holding conglomerate whose subsidiaries provide insurance, banking, asset management, financial, healthcare services, and other services. The company holds more than one trillion US dollars in assets. The outlet writes that, according to two unnamed sources familiar with the matter, discussions between Ping'an and the authorities are being led by officials in the Financial Markets Department of the People's Bank of China, the central bank, and include Country Garden. Authorities want Ping'an to take a share of more than 50% in the distressed, massive property developer. Interestingly, in a statement to Reuters, Ping'an denied the report, expressing, quote, Ping'an has not been asked by the government to take over Country Garden. We categorically deny the story. It is untrue, end quote. It reiterated its denial in a public statement after Reuters first published the report. In a Shanghai Stock Exchange filing the same day also, Ping'an said that it had not received any suggestions or requests by any government agency to take over Country Garden. In a US-based Bloomberg report the same day, the outlet, citing an unnamed source, said that Ping'an had offloaded its Country Garden stake last quarter and has no takeover plans. Ping'an held 4.9% of Country Garden as of August. Despite these denials, a Reuters spokesperson said, quote, we stand by our reporting, end quote. And the market appears to believe, or at least is mitigating against what Reuters is saying. 
When trading opened this morning, Xi'an Insurance Group Co. saw 3.1 billion US dollars wiped from its valuation. The distressed developer country Garden, on the other hand, jumped 12%. Indeed, with the Reuters news, one commentator expressed, Good luck to Ping'an shareholders or any other cash-rich firms. And this is exactly where the concern is. Quote, China must avoid doing what Japan did in the 1990s. If the purpose of having solvent entities absorb insolvent entities is just to avoid writing down and allocating the losses, the result may mostly be the zombification of the financial system. End quote. There's a lot of noise right next to my office, so I've just moved to a new location. There's a bit of an echo. Hopefully, it is not too distracting. Let's continue. This brings us to the financial system. Yesterday, Wednesday, China kicked off its annual Financial Street Forum in Beijing. At the opening ceremony, Pan Gongsheng, governor of the People's Bank of China, China's central bank, gave a keynote speech on, quote, fully implementing the spirit of the Central Financial Work Conference. End quote. The twice-in-a-decade event which we covered last week. In his speech, Pan laid out the fairly authoritative plan for Beijing's regulatory response to the several financial and fiscal challenges facing the country. On the subject of currency, Pan expressed, quote, We adhere to the decisive role of the market in determining exchange rates, effectively leveraging the function of the exchange rate as a macroeconomic and international payments automatic stabilizer. We have the confidence, ability and conditions to maintain the stable operation of the foreign exchange market and keep the RMB exchange rate basically stable at a reasonable and balanced level. End quote. Of course, the statement comes after increasing pressure on the yuan, which has declined to record lows against the US dollar. On local government debt, the central bank governor expressed, quote, Local government debt has two characteristics. First, it is mainly used for infrastructure investment, generally supported by physical assets, which have produced good positive externalities for local economic development. Second, most local government debt is concentrated in provinces with larger economic scales and faster economic growth, and they have the ability to resolve their debts on their own. For regions with relatively heavy debt burdens, the addition of new government investment projects is strictly controlled. If necessary, the People's Bank of China will provide emergency liquidity loans to support areas with relatively heavy debt burdens. Support is given to local governments to gradually divest the government financing functions of financing platforms through mergers and acquisitions, asset injections, etc., and transform them into market-oriented enterprises that are financially independent and sustainable without relying on government credit. End quote. In short, Pan made three main points in his speech. One, China will achieve its annual GDP growth target. Two, the People's Bank of China will provide liquidity support to areas with high debt. And three, the spillover of the real estate downturn is controllable. US-based China Beige Book tweeted that these three points are, quote, all True. By the way, speaking of Twitter, China Update is now on Twitter, or X. There are posts on this every day, not just video clips, but also important small updates, interesting graphs and charts, and other observations. If you're on X, Twitter, it would be great to see you at 
Tony China update. There is also a link to the Twitter account in the description below. Let's continue and take a quick break from the economy and look at technology. It's reported this week that Chinese internet giant Baidu, which operates the Ernie large language model, has ordered 1,600 of Huawei Technologies 910B Ascend AI chips now that it has lost access to NVIDIA chips, suggesting that with increasingly strict US controls on chip exports, Huawei has stepped in to fill the hole the best it can. Huawei's AI chips have been developed as an alternative to NVIDIA's A100 chip. It's reported that the order was placed in August ahead of anticipated new rules by Washington, tightening restrictions on exports of chips and chip tools to China, UK-based The Financial Times reports that Huawei has delivered more than 60%, about 1,000 chips, of the order to Baidu already. UK-based Reuters writes that the order's total value was approximately 450 million yuan, 61 million US dollars, and that Huawei is to deliver all of the chips by the end of this year. A source speaking to the outlet said that although Huawei's Ascend chips are still seen as, quote, far inferior to NVIDIA's in terms of performance, end quote, they are the most sophisticated domestic option available in China. Adding, quote, they were ordering 910B chips to prepare for a future where they may no longer be able to purchase from NVIDIA. End quote. The order signals that Huawei could be a large beneficiary of the export controls, as Beijing pours investment into its domestic semiconductor industry to help catch up with overseas peers. Whether it can catch up or not, is another ongoing story. Meanwhile, Hong Kong-based South China Morning Post reports this week that China's imports from the Netherlands soared in October, quote, in what is seen as further evidence of Chinese stockpiling of high-tech chip-making equipment before export controls on products take effect in January, end quote. The outlet observes that Chinese customs data released this week showed that despite a broad-based decline in trade between the EU and China, Dutch shipments rose by almost 30% in October year-on-year. And on this theme, let's end uh, this part with some observations made by US-based Rhodium Group in a report published on the US chip controls this week. Quote, the United States is asserting its role as the de facto regulator of the global semiconductor industry in a new tranche of rules released October 17. The new package of rules appears designed to deter the world's leading semiconductor firms from developing high-performance chips for the China market, preempt circumvention by expanding the country's scope for restrictions on advanced chips and semiconductor manufacturing equipment, further constrain China's ability to rely on older, deep ultraviolet immersion lithography equipment to produce advanced chips and slow down China's cutting-edge AI chip design firms on national security grounds. U.S. policymakers are placing a big bet with these new rules. In designing the controls, the U.S. is making an implicit assumption that industry and partner resistance will eventually give way to alignment with U.S. regulators. The U.S. is also waging that time and innovation are on its side, even as China and others try to accelerate the substitution of U.S. origin technologies. Most of all, the U.S. administration is assuming that tightening U.S.-led tech controls on an economically insecure China amid an intensifying cycle of retribution can be managed 
with diplomatic guardrails. End quote. Next up, we return to the economy and we need to discuss crashing confidence at home. If you're getting some value from today's episode of China Update, don't forget to hit the like button. Liking, sharing, and subscribing. 50% of regular viewers are not currently subscribed to the channel. These are all big helps. This channel also relies primarily on subscriber support to keep going to be open, free, and available for all six days a week. For anyone who can go that extra mile and help keep the channel financially sustainable, Patreon and Buy Me A Coffee links are in the description below. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching and for all the ongoing support. We end today's video by examining what appears to be sharply declining confidence generally in the economy within China itself. This theme will be explored and unpacked over the next two days. The Bloomberg New Economy Forum kicked off in Singapore yesterday. Fred Hu, founder and chief executive officer at Primavera Capital Group, speaking at the event, made a series of frank and shocking comments on the state of Chinese business confidence in the country. His words are quite extraordinary. Quote, right now, Chinese entrepreneurs are lying low or lying flat. Sentiment is weak. People are not certain whether the leadership is committed to the kind of reforms that China has benefited from so much. This sense of insecurity, in my observation, in the Chinese entrepreneur community, really, I have not seen it like this since 1978. End quote. He is referring to the period just after the death of leader Mao Zedong before China embarked on economic reforms. An incredible assertion. Hu stressed that the country must, quote, really commit to the rule of law and market reforms, end quote. And only then can, quote, confidence slowly come back and animal spirits be rekindled, end quote. He isn't the only one with these feelings. According to U.S.-based business intelligence company Morning Consult's The State of U.S.-China Relations Report, published yesterday, Wednesday, concern about China's economy and troubled property market has led to rising discontent among citizens. The survey shows the level of satisfaction Chinese adults have when it comes to the way the nation is headed has fallen below even levels reached during the worst days of China's zero COVID policy late last year. As we can see, the share of Chinese adults who believe their economy and society are experiencing involution in a sign of malaise and disaffection increased from 61% in November 2022 during the darkest period of zero COVID sparking at the time rare protests across several cities, to 67% in July this year. Negative outlook among the young Gen Z cohort was the highest, reaching almost 80%, four out of every five adults. Of course, you don't need to be an expert to understand the concerning implications of this state of affairs. The morning consult report observed, with the survey findings, quote, these trends are worth watching as a potential early warning signal, especially given the recent death of former Premier Li Keqiang. In the past, the deaths of well-liked government officials have led to outpourings of public support and even mass demonstrations, end quote. Okay, 
that is today's episode of China Update. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. Have a good Thursday, and I will see you all tomorrow.